0: All right, so today we're going to talk about Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, and um, we're, the title of today's sermon is, What Should Bob Do? What should Bob do? It'll make total sense later. Today we're going to be di- diving into uh, a really grand verse that's really kind of as deep as the ocean, uh, but to succeed and not to drown, uh, we, need, we really need to understand this term, the gospel. you know when a lot of people think of the gospel, they think of gospel music, which is you know good news music. The word gospel means good news. It comes from that Greek word evangelion, which means good news, but uh, the word gospel uh, is is just a central truth that we really need to understand of the, it's the whole Bible is, is called the gospel this is preaching the gospel, this is a message that the Bible carries and that you should hear at church and that we should be telling our friends about is the good news, the gospel, what it's all about. So I'm just, we're just going to briefly explain it and talk about it. The, the gospel is the truth that God has provided a way of salvation for men through his son that he sent into the world, Jesus. Jesus suffered on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And then he rose and he overcame death three days later. And in now he offers to share in his triumph to everyone who would accept it. And that is good news, right? Super good news. The gospel is good news because it's a free gift that God wants to give everybody. And it's not something that that it needs to be earned by good works or by penance or by self-improvement. Those things are completely separated from the gospel, from what God gave to us. So the gospel is all the grace that God wants to freely give you. It's like a big old present. If someone walked in here with a giant gift wrapped, and I, I called out your name, and I said, we have a gift for you. Wouldn't it make you a little bit happy? Like, what is this? It's just a big bag of money, right? You would love to get a gift, and that's, that's the way the gospel works. It is truly a free gift. The gospel is the greatest gift in all the world, and it's a gift that every human being needs in this world. So speaking of gifts, what is the best gift Gift ever, maybe? I think it might be a broken drum because you just can't beat it. <laughs> My parents always told me that I was a gifted child, you know. I went to gifted and talented classes. Turns out they meant that someone left me as a gift on the, in a box on their doorstep. Women always say that they want a gift that comes from the heart. But when you give them a bag of blood, they freak out. Uh, okay, that's enough stupid jokes. But you're all smiling, so I think I did my job. All right, the verse. let me, let me read the first two verses before our verse that we're going to study, just for our context, okay, guys? It says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works... Yet now he Jesus has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And that's that's basically what we said the gospel was. Okay? We were God's enemies. Jesus comes and dies for us and makes us God's friends. Okay? We are no longer enemies and Jesus through through faith in his name he can make us holy and blameless and above reproach. Do you know what those mean? Those mean perfect. When God looks at you, he sees you as perfect. You're like, I know, because I am. No, we are not perfect. But God sees us that way because of the work of Jesus. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin or your mistakes. He sees Jesus's perfection that that was transferred to you. So it's the biggest transfer deal ever. We transferred our sin to God, or to Jesus, and he pays for it on the cross, and Jesus transfers his life to us, and that's the way God sees us now, is as perfect as Jesus was. So when we look at the Bible and we see how wonderful Jesus was and how perfect he was, It's no mistake. God wants you to see his goodness because God wants you to see how much God loves you and how God views you, not as the sorry mess that we are, but as what God has done for us through the free gift of the gospel. All right, so now we get to our text for today. So blah, 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 blah. God will do wonderful, wonderful things for you, good, good gospel stuff. Then this verse says, if... Ooh, ooh, I knew there was a catch. I knew there was a catch. If indeed, two very important words, if indeed you continue going to church all the time. Oh, wait, that's not what I said? Oh, if you continue doing good works till the day you die. No? No? It doesn't say that, You guys should be throwing tomatoes at me, yelling blasphemy!" right? Those are not true. that's not what it says. If you continue in the faith, that's what it says. Grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the Holy Roman Church. No. The hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So that's one verse that we're going to study today. All right. So you can tell the the big question today is, what does that word if mean? Okay. He's saying you can be saved if you continue. So the natural question that this brings up is this. Well, then, if I don't continue, do I lose my salvation? Ooh, have you ever pondered that before? Who has pondered that? Okay? And if you haven't, you will. Probably today, since that's what we're pondering. We're all going to ponder together. Um, If I continue in the faith, if you continue in the faith. All right. To answer this question, I'm actually not going to give you what I think is the answer right away. We're going to kind of wrestle through it first. If can mean in Greek, if, or it can also mean since. And when you have the two words, if indeed, it, it kind of is leaning towards the since you continue in your faith, you're going to, you're going to be saved. Okay, so there's these two ways to look at it. If you continue could be a condition to our salvation, meaning you must persevere. You got to keep believing through your whole life that Jesus is the way. Or it could mean since you will continue believing, which would, which would make this verse a description of someone who is saved. Not a condition that you have to meet, but it's a description. Either way, we have this word persevere that's super important, okay? And what, it, what the truth is, what the doctrine is in, the, in the Scripture is that a believer will persevere. A true believer will persevere. In other words, they will continue to believe until the end. So the question then is, well, what if they don't? Well, it's an important question to think about. If they don't, you could say, well, then maybe they weren't ever a believer, a true believer to begin with. Maybe they were just saying the words and they didn't believe it in their heart. And that's one way to look at it. And it's not a bad way. It's a good way to look at it. And the other is that, well, even if they did believe before, they don't believe now. So it says here, believing is required. We have to believe. But the, I think this illustration, so which one is correct? Is it a condition of salvation or is it, is it a description of salvation? Is it that you must persevere to be saved or that you will persevere because you are saved? I think probably the answer is yes. I think probably the answer is yes. I think they both are true. And this is one of those things that because we are humans and we don't have God's perspective, we may not be able to see two truths and where they intersect. It's kind of like two railroad tracks, okay? We have, you know, salvation, uh, the condition over here, and we have the proof over here and the perseverance when we're thinking about it. And it's like, where do they meet? And, you know, when you stand on train tracks and you look ahead, they just go and go and go until you can't see them anymore. And I think maybe these two, they meet at a place that's past what we can see as human beings. Maybe they do make sense and they do go together, but it's just something that we can't see from our perspective. Because there is honestly great arguments for both, both opinions. There's great arguments to say, we have to persevere in believing. You got to keep believing. I mean, it's true. And then there's great arguments to say, God is going to help you to keep believing once you believe, he helps you so much that, that it's basically impossible for you to, to go away from the faith like that. Great and honorable and smarter men than I have worked through this difficulty. And so I think it's probably two perspectives on the same reality. And I've heard all the arguments and I've read all the opinions. And here's what I can say about me. And I hope maybe you guys too, is that I am super happy to be saved by grace and I have every confidence that he is going to hold on to me until the end, right? But also, I'm convinced that I need to continue to believe in Jesus and trust in Jesus. I have to continue. I got to. It's just in me that I have to do those things. And there is this really awesome story at the end of Acts chapter 28 that may give us an illustration of how we can understand this. So there's this boat, and Paul's on this boat, and... and um, And he tells the people, you know, God spoke to me, and they were in this big storm, and and Paul's a prisoner on this boat. And so all the the sailors and the captain, Paul tells them, hey, uh, we're going to survive this. No one's going to die from this storm. So there's a truth, right? Maybe even you could say they were predestined to survive the storm. Okay. Then the storm keeps going. And a bunch of the sailors are trying to sneak off the boat and they're trying to get into one of the the little rafts to to get off the boat and go to the land, trying to do it themselves. And Paul comes up to him and he says, Stop, guys. You got to stop. He says, If you don't stay in the boat, you're going to die. You will not, you will perish. You will not make it. Okay, well, Paul, which one is true? Is everyone going to survive? Or are some of these people going to die? Because that, they can't both be true. Well, Paul would say, everyone is going to survive. And if you get off the boat, you're not going to survive. Those were both true in Paul's mind. And it's almost like, so his question to them is, why would you want to get off the boat? And I think that's where I land when I come when it comes to can someone lose lose their salvation or can they walk away the faith? I would ask them this: Why would you want to? When you have learned about how wonderful God's grace is and how free it is and how love how much He loves you, why would you want to turn away from that? Tell me, His love doesn't produce a love response in us? It does. So uh, that's how I talk with people about you know different things and. One very important truth to remember is that you cannot lose your salvation by sins, by sinning, because God's already punished your sins. And where did that happen, guys? On the cross. So if your sins have already been punished, then you cannot lose your salvation by sins, okay? There may be still be consequences in your life if you sin, just being a dork, you know, have natural consequences. But um, God is not going to punish you for sins that he's already punished Jesus for. All right, okay, we're going to read our text again, just the verse again, because we got a lot to see in this. If you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. So now he says, we got to continue in the faith. And this is another way of saying the gospel, okay? And it's another term used for the gospel. And it's actually used 38 more times in the New Testament, this term, the faith, all right? And this is the gospel or the good news of what Jesus has done for you, that God wants to give you his grace. And that's why it's often called the gospel of grace. Um, So he's not talking about the act of believing in faith here. He's talking about what we believe, which is called the faith. So now we see that we need to continue in the faith. Well, how did we start in the faith? Well, it's written right over there, humility and faith, our faith in the faith or in the gospel. That's how we started. All we did to get saved is we came to God and said, you know what? I can't forgive myself. I need you to forgive me. And I believe that, Jesus, you will forgive me and you can forgive me because you were the one who died on the cross for me and your life was perfect, and it was good enough to pay for my sins. So, what was required to continue in the gospel is the same thing that was required to start out in the gospel. So, every day our life is to have those two same things: that humility and that faith. Paul has explained the whole plan for the children of God to, the, to these people here in Colossae. He says we start out a relationship with God by grace. That's how you started out. That's how you got saved. And the big church word for that is justification. You were justified, meaning you were, you you is just as if I'd never sinned. That's the easy way to remember. When God looks at you, your standing is justified. But then every day after that, what do we do? Well, he says we need to continue and grow in that same relationship by the same grace with the same humility and faith and that's the big church word for that is sanctification being transformed and that's how god wants us to continue our lives growing with him is with the same humility and faith that we started with uh, i'm going to read to you acts chapter 20 verse 32 Which Paul is starting a different church and he's leaving them and he says this to them. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. In this verse, it shows us that there is an ability of God's grace, and that's why we talk about it all the time, because God's grace is able to do all the things that we can't do because we're not sufficient or able ourselves. But he is able, the, the word of his grace is able and capable and sufficient, both to start out a relationship with God, and that's where he means give you an inheritance. That's what those words mean. Who gets an inheritance? A child. And when you start out a relationship with God, you become his child, adopted and with the same rights as every other child, including his beloved son, Jesus. That's how this works. And that's that justification piece. And then he says he will, he will help you to continue or his grace is able to continue and grow you in a relationship with God where we learn that he becomes like a father to us, a daily relationship with him. And that's where he says he can build you up. So not only does he plant you, but he builds you up. He gives a foundation and he completes the building, and that is all by his grace. All right, we're going to read our text again back in Colossians. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. You see those two words? That's where we're going to focus on now. And are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Grounded and steadfast. When I first read this, I thought those were two things I needed to do. I needed to produce. You got to be grounded. You got to be steadfast. You got to try harder. You got to work more. That's what I thought. But as I studied this, I realized that these are things that God's grace does for me. I don't have to produce these things because God's grace is able to do these things for us. That's why we just read that verse in Acts so that we could see how clearly God's grace is able to do these things. Grounded means starting out with God. You're grounded with him, and that's justification. And then steadfast. If someone is steadfast, that means they continue going the same direction. So, you start out with God, oh, he did that for you. And then to go the same direction with him, he does that for you also. He makes you steadfast by his grace. That is what it means to continue in the faith to walk by the grace that we talk about every single week. God's grace provides all that we need for starting out with God and for continuing to walk with God for our whole lives. That's everything that we will need. We don't ground ourselves, and we can't be steadfast ourselves. I know I have tried to be steadfast in my life, and when I try, I have failed. In fact, if you were to look at my life, all the secret things and all the things in my heart, you would look at me and say, not too steadfast, maybe growing a little bit steadfast, but definitely failing failing a lot. And I just give thanks to God that God has made me steadfast and he forgives me. When I fail to do it, when I try to do it on my own, I always fail. In our own strength, that's all we do is fail. Because why? Well, it's because we desperately need Jesus for absolutely everything. We were created only to live with him. And so when we don't live with him, we're like a a tricycle that's missing a wheel. We're like just wonky our whole life. Can't really get it going. And the crazy thing is is that Jesus actually promises to do all that we need and to provide all that we need. And that's what grace is. He promises that he loves you and he wants to do everything for you by his grace. All right, we're gonna look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a couple important verses there. He says, And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. To think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. That sounds like a gift of grace, doesn't it? That is what he's talking about. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. That's grace. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. That's grace. not For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So guys, all of our grounding and steadfastness is a free gift of God. God makes us sufficient because we are not sufficient in and of ourselves. That's why God had to do this. So there's three parts of grace that are so wonderful to understand. Number one is that God will forgive you of all all your sin. Number two, God promises to invite you into a personal and real relationship with him where he is your father. And I know not all of us had a father, And the ones who did didn't have great fathers. Some of us did have good fathers, but I think most people, their fathers failed a lot. And so even the idea of father has been sort of like marred in our life. But God wants to show you what a real father is and the love that a real father has for you. So, number one, God forgives you by grace. Number two, God invites you into this father relationship by grace. And then number three, God promises to do an internal work in your heart and in your life to transform you. But we can't do any of these things on our own. But Jesus can, and he does through grace. Then Paul says that God made him a servant of the new covenant, and that means that Paul... As well as us, we've been chosen and equipped to bring this wonderful news of God's grace to the world. The good news of grace of the new covenant, God's new deal, his new arrangement for men. That's the gospel. That's grace. And isn't it sad how when people think of God, the first thing they think about generally, at least here in America, is the Ten Commandments. Oh, you go to church, that means you're all about those Ten Commandments, right? Probably got them tattooed. And it's like, that couldn't be further from the truth. Those Ten Commandments were a message of death to me. But Jesus is a message of life. He said in that text, the law, the letter kills, but the law, or, but the <laughs> Spirit gives life. So, The gospel gives that new life. That's the resurrection life of Jesus. The way he rose from the dead is how he gives us free new resurrection life. All right, back to our text in Colossians. Again, it says, If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast. And then he says, And are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. Here's the thing, guys. I want you to listen real carefully to this. Even if you forget everything else I've said, I want you to gain this impression, okay? There are many people and philosophies that that are trying actively to move you away from the hope of the gospel. Many people and many philosophies. Some of those people are in churches. Some of those philosophies you'll hear on Christian radio. You know, so you can't just say, well, because they call themselves a Christians that they're, that, no, you have to actually see, do they trust in Jesus Christ alone? Or are they adding something to Jesus? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, but also don't wear pants. What? How could God care about that? Why would God care about that? Well, Jesus, but also don't do this thing. Or do, do this thing. Anything that's a plus after Jesus, you you just need to kind of take a step back and say, I'm going to keep my eye on this one. Okay? The Bible says it's Jesus plus nothing. He does it all. That's how grace works. It's a free gift to us. But there's people that want to move you away. And that's what this says. Many people just don't understand the gospel and the life of Jesus. They just don't get it. Some other people just really do actively want to deceive you. They want to trick you, either to make their church bigger or to get money out of you or something like that. They really just want to trick you. And the enemy, for sure, there's this spiritual world, and the enemy wants to destroy you and take you to hell. So, of course, he's going to do his best to keep you away from the gospel or the faith. He's going to do everything in his power. But if you hear anything today, hear this. Don't be moved away or tricked. Don't be tricked. Let me warn you about one common way that people are moved away from the hope of the gospel. Someone tells you you need to do X, Y, or Z to be really saved or to really have victory or to overcome sin or to really make God happy. Again, it's those adding things to the gospel that is the trick and this is how it sounds. You know what? Maybe if you just tried harder. Maybe if you serve more. That's it. That's what will make you grow. If you show up early to church and you serve everybody, then God will be super happy with you. Then you'll just start to feel it. and You'll start to grow. And that's what will make it happen. And these are lies, guys. And this, is, this teaches us to move away from hoping in Jesus to now it's hoping in Me, what I do. Mm. Just do what you're supposed to do, people. Just do the good deeds you were taught in Sunday school. Then God will be happy with you. Guys, I'm going to say something really important to you. I'm going to say it two times just in case so you don't miss it. God is not waiting for obedience to love you. He's not waiting for you to obey him to love you and that's the thing is god loves you as much as possible right now even though you're a goober and we're all selfish and we all are not measuring up to his standards his love for you is as much as possibly could be right now And let's imagine, okay, we die. Let's say North Korea nukes us all today and we all die. So we all go to heaven because you guys all trust in Jesus here. So we go to heaven. And let's say we are in heaven for a billion years, which we will be, right? And it's glorious. And you haven't sinned because that sin nature is dead. And so you have not sinned for a billion years. And you and Jesus have just been playing badminton for a million years straight. You guys are just awesome, okay? Let me tell you one truth. At that moment, God will not love you one more little bit than he loves you right now as the dirty, rotten, failing sinner that you are right now. His love for you right now is that great. And so what I'm saying is that If our focus is moved from the finished work of Jesus to something else, it's not going to cause the the spirit life that the gospel alone can produce in us. And what moves us away is when we think that God doesn't love us or when we think that God could love us more if we were doing something more or doing something better. I am not ever going to give you guys something you need to do To, to experience God, God's love more. Because I firmly believe the truth that he loves you so vastly, so completely, that there's nothing you could ever do to improve it. And when I tell you guys this, I know what it's going to produce. If you take this in and you drink it into your heart, what it's going to produce is a life where his love is overflowing out of you. I know that that's how it works. I believe it. I trust in that. And that's how we're going to do things, because that's how his word tells us to. Jesus promises to produce this life in us, this spirit life of love, And in him, him, all the, excuse me, there's a verse that says all the promises of God in him are yes and amen, which means that God will always fulfill his promises. He will always say yes to his promises because it's Jesus who promised them. So if we focus on the gospel and fix our hope firmly on the grace of Jesus, then God will produce a good and steady life through the power of the Holy Spirit. But if we focus on producing that good and that steady life, we will always fail. Did you see what I did there? If we focus on Jesus, God will make us good. If we focus on being good, you're going to suck at it. That's how it works. Isn't that weird? Like, well, I want to be better. Great. Stop thinking about it now. Think about Jesus. Build a relationship with him where you're depending on him and trusting him. And that'll work out. But what happens is we, we come to each other and we say, hey, I should be better. I'm gonna, You know what? You do need to be better. You stink. So try harder. Do, do more. Do what's right. And the harder you try, the more you fail, the more you fail, the more you want to give up. And so you have people that are moved away from the hope of the gospel. Why? Because they were tricked out of believing in grace. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Okay, let me give you a practical example. Bob... We're going to invent someone named Bob. Bob gets saved at church one day. He, Bob hears the gospel. He believes that God is going to forgive him of all his sins, and so he begins that relationship with God. He calls out to God with humility, saying, God, I, I need you, and with faith, saying, God, I trust in you. So God, Bob is now justified and saved. Hooray! Way to go, Bob. What now? Well, Bob still sins, just like me, just like you. Bob still fails to do all that he should do, even though Bob went and hung up a picture of the Ten Commandments and thought that would be good. He'd just keep them all for the rest of his life. So what does Bob do? Well, Bob doesn't know. So like I said, Bob hangs up a poster the Ten Commandments and he just does his best to be the good person that he thinks he's supposed to be. But Bob fails. Bob seems to never find that freedom that he was promised when he got saved. Bob starts to think that he was sold a bill of goods. That maybe, maybe he really isn't saved. That maybe... He just doesn't have what it takes to be a Christian. Can you identify with that? Have you ever sinned so much, you're like, maybe I'm not a Christian. (laughs) Maybe I'm not. I'm into some stuff that I don't think God is happy about. Maybe I've lost it. But then Bob meets Kevin, another random made-up fellow. And Kevin explains to Bob that, Bob, I think maybe you've been moved away from the hope of the gospel. Maybe you've been tricked, Bob. Kevin shares that God has a life-giving power and hope for Bob. And Bob already knows all about it. In fact, it's called grace. And it's the same power that saved Bob. And when Bob knew that he couldn't save himself. He simply looked to Jesus and he called out upon him in humility and faith to God save me and Jesus freely provided all that Bob needed. And so Kevin explains that the same power that saved Bob can change Bob every day and that's that grace for sanctification. And the key is to learn to keep our eyes and our heart fixed on the gospel Because the gospel is what changes us on the inside. And so now Bob knows the truth that Jesus is all he will ever need. And now Bob is growing. Is is Bob practically perfect? Well, not yet, but he's growing in holiness every day. And when Bob fails and falls short, he doesn't freak out. He simply comes to Jesus like he did in the very first, in the very beginning. And he says, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Help me to do your will and not my own. And that's what Bob prays because that's what's in Bob's heart. Because Bob is a child of God. Because Bob's relationship with God flows out of his heart. He's not trying to become, become something that he thinks he needs to be. He believes that Jesus has already done all the work for him and that Jesus will share in his new resurrection life daily with him. So Bob doesn't have to try any harder because trying never saved anyone. Bob simply learns to continue believing in the gospel. So guys, be like Bob. Let's read our text one more time. (laughs) How many times have we read it? I don't even know. One more, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So we're just gonna end with kind of a brief little connecting it to next week. Paul says his whole mission is to help people know the gospel and believe the gospel. And that's what I'm called to do as well, and probably all of you. That's our deepest calling, is to help people. Are you believing the gospel, my friends? Have we been moved off it by something or someone? Are we putting our trust in Jesus himself or in something else, usually ourselves, or a philosophy, or a program, or a plan? That the text in 2 Corinthians says, we have such trust through Christ towards God That means trusting God through Jesus is all that we have, guys. That is the new covenant. God does all that we need for us. And we so need to hear that, that he is faithful. His grace is for undeserving people. And that's what we need to hear too, because we don't deserve it. And that's what the world needs to do here also. That it is not about becoming a better person That is a byproduct and a side effect of learning about God's love for you and receiving it. It is never the goal to make you a good person. It is a gift for you that God makes you a good person. We don't deserve it, but somehow we receive it. So, guys, let's wrap it up there. Let's sing a couple songs. During these last couple songs, just engage with your heavenly father who loves you. Maybe thank him for his love, maybe sing of his love or, or just raise your hands to him in thankfulness and uh, and just remember that he loves you. Um, uh, there is communion available. So if you would like to come and celebrate what he's done for you, that is certainly an option for you. And I just thank each and every one of you for putting your hope and trust in Jesus alone. And and uh, I know it's been a long Bible study, and we really dove into this verse to see all that we could pull out of it, and maybe take that for an example for how you can dive into scriptures and in you're on your own. Look at a verse, look at it over and over and over, and dig in to see what treasures God may show you throughout this week, uh, because He loves you so much. I'm nothing special, and it's just God's love being poured out on all of us. So, guys, would you all stand with me? Um, And just to pray this last prayer. Father, we we give our hearts to you brand new because you have given us your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.